Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. This is the finale, Julie. Oh, and a finale it was. Yeah, but came out of left field. I was not expecting after eight episodes it was going to be a finale. I know. I I just saw a tweet. We, neither of us knew. I saw a tweet from the Keeping Up With Kardashians account this morning that was like, in the finale tonight. And I was like, when were you going to tell us? Yeah, I had no idea. But so Julie watched this episode before I did. And I love when this happens. When she texts me, she's like, Em, you are going to love this. And oh my God, were you right? This was everything I could want out of an episode. Do you think this is the most open they were? I'm not going to say the most open because I feel like there have been other things, but definitely this season, yes. It almost felt like because they physically couldn't have any other bullshit because they didn't have the capability to do so and they really just had to chronicle what was going on in their real lives and this just happened to be happening in their real lives, they had to give it to us. And yeah, I guess I would say so. Also... And we'll get into this because it's like the main chunk of the episode, but so much of it obviously takes place on FaceTime and Zoom. And I just feel like when they're in person, sometimes the conversations they have can seem like a little for the camera or a little acted, but the Zoom conversations were so, so raw. Oh, for sure. I hope that all of you listening, if you watched it, you felt the same way that we did because it was like so many things that I know we have all been thinking and wanting to discuss and then they did it. And I was just like, wow, especially because you want to know another element of this that we didn't even discuss. Tell me. (laughs) Sorry. I'm so passionate. It was, it was the fact that on one hand we got the behind the scenes, AKA when the whole Scott rehab thing happened, we saw that, but we never saw the behind the scenes. So we got that. But then the Tristan stuff, we never saw something about that. Like, of course, we've been wondering about the general concept, but it wasn't like we knew one specific scene was happening. It wasn't like we were ever teased as to his conversation with Chris. So it seemed like two different types of behind the scenes, but some that we had been previewed and some that we hadn't. Exactly. Yes. 
I can't wait. Should we start? I have so much to say. Let's start. I know. Okay. So first, let me just tell you guys, we're doing this one a little bit differently just because instead of going scene by scene, we basically split it up into the two biggest topics, which obviously were Tristan and Chloe and Scott with the rehab thing. So we put together all of the Tristan and Chloe scenes into one and then all of the Scott scenes into one. So we're kind of going to discuss them in sections because it just... I think it will lead to more meaningful conversation and we can get rid of the stupid bullshit that honestly has no place in this episode. Exactly. I'm so excited, Julie. Um, no, I can't even. Okay. So right now we're just going to start out with Tristan and Chloe. Okay. We start out with Chloe, Courtney, and Tristan. They're all working out. Chloe hasn't worked out in a while, obviously because of COVID. And she's self-filming. She's sitting outside with him. And you can just tell there is a real flirtiness that's happening here, you know? Yeah, very flirty. Like, not outright touchy, but definitely a distinct energy. She sets the scene for us in her confessional and she says, Ever since California has been on lockdown, Tristan and I basically have been quarantining together, but not. Like, he doesn't live here. He has his own house, but I know he's self isolating and he's safe to come back and forth. He's been spending a ton of time here. And I know if it wasn't for quarantine, that we wouldn't be spending this much time together, but I like spending time with him. Which. I was grateful for because I wanted to know exactly the breakdown. So it kind of made sense. She was like, he can go back to his home, but because he's safe, he's coming back and forth. Right. Makes sense. I was very curious about that, especially during when she was quarantining and he was taking care of True. Yes. Also, total side note, when they're sitting and she's saying they're six feet apart and then he stretches out his leg and he's like, no, we're more like three feet. And she's like, you're like seven feet tall. I'm like, oh, I know. That's why you got into this mess in the first place. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Uh, it really, I say this every time. And actually this episode, I wasn't even stopping myself. I was kind of just letting me go with it. It was the finale. I was getting into it. But Tristan is one attractive man. I know not everyone agrees. I know sometimes we say that and people message us and they're like, I don't see it. I really, really see it. I can't help it. No, he looked he looked really fucking good in this episode. Tristan He's just hot. Like, honestly, I, I think that... Y- I think that you can put personality or anything you don't like about a person aside and just judge them based on their looks and say that they're hot. You don't have to be attracted to them based on what they've done or based on how you view them, but you can admit that Tristan's one attractive person. With that beard, it's a different breed, let me tell you. When he had the braids, stop. He's, he, yeah, it's a lot. Okay, let's keep going. So next scene, we're on this family Zoom and it's Chris, Chloe, Scott, Rob, Kendall, and Kim. Amazing crew, obviously. Amazing scene. Yeah. And Scott's kind of starting out by saying he rented this house in Malibu. He's trying to change up the scenery and he feels like it'll be good for him mentally as well as the kids. Don't worry. We're going to get into a very lengthy and I would imagine analytical Scott conversation after we do this entire Chloe and Tristan thing. But yeah, (laughs) I know you're like, (laughs) so Chloe's putting on makeup and they're kind of just playing with her. And Chris is like, where are you going? What are you doing? And Scott's like, oh, Tristan's coming over. And Chloe's like, no, he's not. And Chris says, you're doing total makeup. Where are you going? And Scott goes, pound town. Wait, by the way, Julie, Scott was elite in this scene. Scott's elite in every scene. Scott elevates every single scene that he's in. His commentary is superb. It just, the show would not be the show without Scott for for the past 19 seasons. You know how E for the People's Choice Award, they always do like reality television star of the year. And a lot of times it's either Kim or Chloe that's up for it. It should be Scott. Well, no. What I was going to say is I don't actually think that he would win the main award. However, there should be a category for like 
narrator or commentator because the show genuinely would be significantly less fun to watch if it wasn't for his commentary. I so agree. Yeah. Anyway, so Scott's like, yeah, he's, she's going to pound town. And Chloe goes, no one said anything when Kim was doing makeup tutorials the other day. And Rob goes, quarantine bay, let's go. And Scott says, what do we all think? Has Chloe slept with Tristan yet? And Rob goes, yes. And Chris is like, oh, 100%. Scott goes, that's what I said. She said no. And Chloe says, no, I haven't. Chris says, by the way, it's none of our business and she should do whatever she wants to do. And Scott says, I want her to, lady. And Chloe says, I don't think anyone is coming from an attacking place, but I would say it. I genuinely haven't. The only thing we've done is like peck. By the way, I am just like, yes, I want to know this information so badly. That's why this episode was so good. I felt like a lot of times they scoot around things. They're just like, no, ha, ha, ha. Like this was just like, no, but this. No, but this. Yes, we did this. No, we didn't do this. It was like every single question I had, I felt like I actually got answered. It was also the type of thing where if you were in this friend group, if you were in this family, or if this same situation was happening with one of your friends of like, oh, they're kind of quarantined with their ex-boyfriend, you'd be asking this exact question. It was very relatable in the sense that they were asking the questions that any of us would be asking to our friends. Okay. So in her confessional, while this is all going on, she says, my family is just up each other's asses all the time. And it's just strange, but I love it. But sometimes I have to process things. It's okay to go through motions. We don't have to go from A to Z. And Kim says, let me tell you, I thought they did 100% and I was convinced she was lying. And then I sat them both down two days ago and talked to them. Scott says, why didn't you tell me that? We talked about it on the walk yesterday. Does he ever try, Chloe? Chloe says, oh, every day. I say no because I love how friendly we are. Is it right of me to keep hanging out with him when I don't even know what my motives are? I don't know, but I know what his are. And Scott says, I think he would still rather hang out with you in this capacity than nothing at all. Great point, by the way. Yep. And Chris says, and by the way, there's no dating going on right now. We're not allowed to leave the house. Rob says, no one's leaving the house. You're absolutely right, mom. And Kim's like, unless she wants to get on Tinder. (laughs) I fucking loved this scene. Everything about it. I can't get over it. Also, obviously, I'm wondering, like, could they have charged Tinder for that one line mention, you know? They should have. Right? That scene was just, it was like the perfect example of a family FaceTime. Like obviously in the later scenes, we get into so much more like deeper information and the Chloe and Malika scene, the Malika and Tristan scene, like whatever. But this was just such a good starting point in terms of information. Like I feel like I really got my bearings together from this conversation. You're so happy right now. I just loved this episode. (laughs) Nothing makes me happier than when you're watching something or seeing something before I do and you're texting me like, Em, I'm not going to say a word, but you're going to be so happy. It gets me so in the mood and it got me so in the mood and I'm just really in a great mood right now. This is the thing that you and I always say. like We don't need the theatrics of an episode. We just need the information and that's all this was. It was just straightforward information that we watched. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So next scene comes from also a very telling FaceTime. Julie transcribed pretty much all of this. So I'm going to read, I think, the entire scene, and then we'll get into a discussion because I don't want to even try to attempt to summarize her words because I think the actual language she uses is important. So Chloe is on FaceTime with Malika, and Malika says, OT is here visiting with his son. You know we've got this co-parenting thing down. Chloe says he's one month old. She goes, we've got it down. I'm thinking positive. How are things with True's daddy? And Chloe's just talking, saying they're in a good place, saying that he's being really helpful. And she says, I can also tell his energy is different. He'll like touch my shoulders or something. Like, okay, you're getting a little too touchy. He's like, I just want you to know if ever you're thinking the same thing, I'm here for you. And Malika says, he's still in love with you. And Chloe says, no, and I know that, but I think I feel a little more pressured. Even my family's like, so are you guys sleeping together or not? Like, no, we're not. And he's like, we never said I need an answer, but I always feel like he needs an answer. So what are we doing? And in her confessional, Chloe's saying, 
I do feel pressure from Tristan, but not because he's told me. Like, I've never had an ultimatum from him. I just feel like it's been over a year since we broke up. Now that we're hanging out more, I can tell he's getting antsy. And Chloe says to Malika, I just wish I had a definitive answer on my end. Like, I wish I either said, I have all these feelings for Tristan. I'm just afraid. Or gosh, I don't have any feelings. I just don't even know how to get a feeling about him. Any feeling. And Malika says, because you're scared and you're blocking out your feelings about those things because it's safe. I think you're just not open to being loved because all the shit that's happened. Okay, what she says in this next confessional is really important, so listen intently. Chloe says, I 100% have a block up, but who wouldn't? Every relationship I go into, they're always disappointing and fucked up. So I have every reason to be guarded. I have every reason to have these bricks and layers up. And if somebody cares enough, they will take those bricks down brick by brick. Otherwise, I'm very good sitting in my palace with my moat, alligators, and all the walls around me powerful let's talk about that in 30 seconds okay i can't wait (laughs) malika says and in most cases no one wants to get back with a guy who broke your heart in front of millions of people but to be quite honest with you the chloe that i know doesn't give a fuck what people think he loves you and i believe deep down inside you still love him and she says i just don't know if romantically i can get there i don't know and i don't know how to even try that and malika says you won't know if you don't try take baby steps open up a little bit you won't even really have a conversation with the man about your relationship and the past Like, no two people actually move on from things without at least communicating about it. You just got to start somewhere. Oh, my God. What do you think? (laughs) I think so much. Do you want to go first? No, you go. Okay, there's so much happening here. I felt like it's not that Chloe has ever been in denial about being guarded, right? I, I don't think that she tries to lie about that. However... The way that she outlined it, I was so glad to hear her say it because that's what we've been saying and that's what we've been feeling. Like She really does have this guard up and I genuinely think she's almost okay with that. Kind of like she said, you know what? If it doesn't work, I'm happy in my palace with my moat. Like That was a very kind of telling analogy to the way that she's building this emotional guard up around her. And so I felt like to hear her say it, I mean, personally, it was just validating because that's how we've been feeling. But also it was very self-aware and very honest. And I I just, it was a really good feeling. That's how I felt also. And her saying that and her admitting that, I think it does give context to them getting back together actually, because I think a lot of the times when we talk about Tristan and the idea of them getting back together, we do treat it like it's an isolated incident, just in terms of like Chloe's relationship with guys. Like we always talk about that, like how off was I or like, How could I be so trusting of so many different people who hurt me in such extreme ways? But I think a lot of times when we talk about Tristan, we just talk about Tristan. If we're expecting that Chloe is going to eventually be in a relationship again, which it's like, of course she is. She's a beautiful young woman. Like it's only natural that she's going to want to have a relationship again. I think that if you're Chloe and you get hurt by somebody who's already hurt you before, then it's like, it's kind of like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Cause it's like, okay, at least I can say like, I knew this was going to happen. I, you know, weighed the risks and I still got involved. If you enter another relationship and then this happens again, it's like, how many more times can I go through this? It's like, you can almost trust the person who hurt you better than you can trust somebody that you don't know that you will assume will hurt you inevitably. No, I think that's an excellent point. And I actually have a question about that because while I completely agree with you and you know, as we know now, they're seemingly back together. So for whatever reason she got back with him, she did probably a culmination of a lot of different things. But I guess my thing is like, while I think that's absolutely accurate and fair and could have played into the decision, it would make me sad if that's the reason that she got back with him. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not a, it's not a good feeling to 
not trust your judgment so much that you go back with what hurt you because you can't even stomach the idea of choosing someone else poorly and then having that reflect on your kind of judgment. So I guess my question is like, other things had to have played in her decision of of getting back with him, right? A thousand percent. I I don't think that was the sole reason. I think that when she was kind of mentally weighing her own pros and cons of being back with him, I think that that definitely played a role. I think because when you're Chloe and you think about your history and you think about who you've been with and the ways in which you've been hurt. And the idea of having to go through that again, no matter who it's with, whether it's Tristan or somebody else, when you're just weighing the pros and cons of being back with him, the idea of could he hurt me worse than he already hurt me has to play into it. Or can he hurt me worse than he already hurt me or somebody could potentially hurt me? I think it's going to play a role, whether that's a healthy thought process or not. I think that when you're in a situation like Chloe's in, not every thought process you have in this decision is going to be a healthy thought process because you're getting back into something that is inherently unhealthy in certain ways. Right. Exactly. That's kind of the point that I wanted to clarify of like, no part of me feels good about that being a portion of the reality of it. Because to me, like Chloe is one of the most generous of love and spirit and such a unbelievably like giving partner that I would never want her to get back with someone because she feels like, oh, well, it's kind of the lesser of two evils. And you know what I mean? Like she shouldn't be settling for her emotional trauma, if that makes sense. No. And I totally agree with you. I don't think she should be either. And I don't, I also don't think it's as simple as that, but I think that you can also look at a lot of celebrities who kind of handle relationships like that. I think that when you're a celebrity and your trust is already so diminished by the people around you, you weigh pros and cons in every single relationship you're in, whether it's business, friendship, romantic. Like, I think that's just the natural part of being a celebrity for Chloe, a huge part of losing her trust in people or having to rebuild her trust in people had to do with her relationships. But I think there's already an inherent lack of trust just based on who she is and based on the celebrity that she is and who her family is. A million, a million percent. I also think this would be a very different conversation if they didn't have a child together. A hundred percent. There wouldn't have been given a second chance. And I think that we also can't discount the role that her parents' divorce played in this because I think that from her perspective, it could have been, yes, my mom cheated on my dad. Yes, like they split up because of that. Would my childhood have been better? Would my parents have given me a better childhood had they gotten back together or had they been able to work through that and gotten to a point where even though she cheated, they worked through their issues and they were able to parent together and be a family together and be in a relationship together. And I think that Chloe's desire for that can't be discounted in her own decision to want to give that to True. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, that's a conversation we have a lot with this family about how cheating is I'm not going to say taken less seriously than in other situations. That's completely a not fair statement. However, we've seen multiple times cheating happen and not only the person then forgive the person and get back with them, but also the entire family culture around it has been more accepting. I mean, some people could say that they could resent Chris for the rest of their lives for cheating on Robert, and that's clearly not the case. And there's no right or wrong there. However, they chose to deal with it is the way that they chose to deal with it, and clearly it works for them. But I'm just saying the concept of cheating generally in their family, I think, is handled differently than we see it with a lot of other people. Yeah, I think that is one of the areas that 
they are probably more forgiving than most in. And that probably has so much to do with Chris. And I think Malika says that later on where she's like, Chris is one of the most forgiving people that you'll meet. Right. Because I think Chris really appreciated the grace in which her children forgave her. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think the last thing before we move on to the next scene is just in terms of Chloe's judgment and in terms of her reasoning behind getting back with Tristan, I think we can't discount the fact that Tristan seems to be really improving and seems to be growing and changing and accepting what he's done. And I think this episode really showed that, like at least for me it did, because it would be discounting the person that Chloe is to just be like, well, she got back to him. It was inevitable. Chloe is a smart enough and definitely a strong enough girl to have to have multiple reasons beyond just unhealthy ones to get back with him. I completely agree. The last thing that I want to say about this scene is when she says, I don't know if romantically I can get there. I don't know. I don't know how to even try that. My point on that is kind of like, you could interpret that statement in a couple of different ways. The first is, I don't know if I could physically allow myself, meaning being intimate with someone. Yes, I know they had a kid together. They've had sex a million times. It's like a very, very emotionally raw act, right? Like you are in essence, giving your body to someone momentarily while you are having sex with them, being naked with someone that is your most vulnerable. And so it really takes a lot. It's not just sex when there's this much involved, right? There's no way that it can be just sex. And so you can interpret that statement in that way, or you can interpret it in the way of like, I don't know if I can even open that can of worms because then I don't want to I don't want to have that influence my decision at all. You know, there's like a couple of different interpretations and I would imagine it's a mix of all of them. Oftentimes, even if you're really, really attracted to someone, it's hard to want to go there if the vulnerability isn't there. So while she still has these emotional walls up, it would almost feel counterintuitive to then feel okay having sex with him. And if she does, that's totally her choice. I'm just saying, I think it's a, it's a common thing specifically for women. Our bodies are like our sanctuaries. And so I definitely think there's a layer of vulnerability there that I don't know if she's fully comfortable confronting. A million, a million percent. And also the last thing, just going off of that, is throughout the whole episode, you see Chloe kind of struggle with the guilt of like, is she leading Tristan on? And like, is it, does it make her a bad person that she hasn't been able to make up her mind yet with what she wants? And I think there's just that added layer of like, if it was just a need-based thing where she felt like she wanted to have sex because it had been a while and it was just something that she wanted to do, she felt like she could be there vulnerably with him without it being like, a huge emotional experience. I think there's a layer of guilt that she has where she's like, I can't do that to him right now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's very much true because she's, again, much more conscious than he is. Yes. Um, We're going to go to an ad break because I feel like, goddamn, that was intense. But did you see that Haley and Justin both unfollowed Carl once? That's kind of crazy. They did follow him before. Yes, of course they did. Um, Wow. Isn't that, that crazy? That is crazy. That whole thing is crazy. I know, but it, do- it really does feed into what we were saying, what we were talking about last night of like how I really genuinely think Justin was like personally impacted by this. Well, and that goes into the whole point of think about as a celebrity, how many different ways somebody can ruin your trust in them. Uh, yeah, especially because he, I'm sorry, I know this is unrelated, but I just have to quickly say this because I literally just saw a cop. I, I also think because Justin has been open about the fact that he didn't know if he had confidence in himself to like be faithful. And so he really leaned on his faith and he leaned on other examples of men that have been to like 
give him that confidence within himself to do it. I know that sounds ridiculous because you should be able to, but he was just honest in saying he didn't. Now he 100% can. So like, I think it was a real kind of hit to the gut. Yeah, I so agree. And I'm so glad he has Chance there to step in for him. Oh, you and me both. You and me both. Okay, let's cut to an ad break and we will come back with Malika and Tristan's FaceTime. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so next scene, this is when Malika and Tristan are FaceTiming. I'm going to read verbatim a lot of it, Julie transcribed most of it, because again, I think it's important. So she's in her confessional and she says, after talking to Chloe, I decided to reach out to Tristan because he's my friend too and he does have a great heart and he's a good person. He just made some really horrible mistakes and I think he does need the sound advice that doesn't come from one of his friends. You need to know what she needs to mend fences with her. So she's asking, are you guys in a good space? And he says, yeah, we're in a good space, but obviously, you know, I lost my partner in crime. It's like, damn, it hits you hard. She sacrificed the world for me and for me to be immature and not smart and not really understand what I value. What I realize is that I put a lot of weight on opinions that didn't matter. We get so used to making everyone else happy, we forget what makes Tristan happy. And with me realizing that, it's okay to be deeply in love. You don't lose your manpower that doesn't define you. I want to break the wheel of what people think is okay. Regardless if you're a professional athlete or in entertainment, it's okay to be a guy deeply in love. Okay. I'm sorry. We have to talk about that before we can continue. I'm so glad you stopped. I have never heard him say that. No. Anything he said in this episode, I've never heard him say before. Yeah, First time that he was honest about anything. Yeah. And I have to say, I really, let me first add, I very much was giving him the benefit of the doubt this entire episode because it's just, it's a much more, it's a much more interesting conversation to do so. Like, what are we going to sit here and just shit on him the entire time? I don't think that's a productive way to do this. We've done that enough in previous times. I also genuinely didn't feel like the need to do that. Same. No, not at all. Not at all. But I'm saying like you could be, if you wanted to, you could be incredibly critical of this thought process. But I'm saying like, I personally, and everybody listening can choose to do it however they want it. Personally for me, like I was trying to acknowledge and appreciate his vulnerability and like go from there. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think we've all always thought that, not just with him, but with a lot of other men in very successful positions, whether it's an athlete, whether it's an actor, whether it's someone that has women kind of falling all over them. But a lot of times we hear them say it of like, 
oh, I just, I couldn't control myself. Whereas this was more like, I didn't want to let down the boys. Like it wasn't cool to be faithful. It wasn't cool to be in love. That's basically what he was saying. Yeah, it's interesting. We've spoken about, and I think specifically the NBA, because it does have that reputation and clearly that that's what Tristan is talking about here. Um, Kind of the cheating culture within the NBA, I think is something that's pretty well known. Um, For a long time, that's been the case. And that component of that is something that we've spoken about before. And I don't think it's necessarily a valid excuse, but it is interesting to hear him say and hear him kind of cite that as part of his thought process. Exactly. I mean, this was what we were getting here was a very, very clear insight into a man and his position's thought process, which I would imagine is consistent with a lot of other people. And the conversation probably only came because he was talking to Malika. And, you know, this is only something that could have come from talking to Malika or talking to Scott or talking to one of his friends, because this is not something he was going to say to Kris Jenner or to Kim. No, of course. And I think what's really interesting is if you kind of think about the two occasions that we know for sure that this happened on. I'm sure there were others previous to the first cheating scandal. Um, They occurred when he was with a group of people. Yeah. So, I mean, not an excuse, but it definitely like if you're, if that's what he's citing and that's what you're thinking back to, it does line up well. It does line up well, completely, completely. So she says, in response to what he said, but there was something you needed to learn, obviously about yourself, and you feel as though you've gotten that. Everything's not lost, especially because you guys have a family. There's always something to fight for. It's a long, hard-fought journey, but the two of you, if the two of you believe this is something worth truly fighting for, then that's exactly what you should do. And in her confessional, she says, my advice to Tristan when it comes to Chloe is honestly, be forthright, humble yourself, leave your ego at the door, and I think the more he shows that side of himself, the more she'll open up to him. And he says, losing her made me lose a part of myself, and I was going down a path that was not who I wanted to be. The toughest part is that when I first met Chloe, I told Chris, you know, I would love to take your daughter to Cleveland, and I gave her my word that I was going to protect her daughter, and I failed. That kills me the most. When you look at someone in the eyes, someone you respect and have high regards for, and you let them down. And Malika says, just let Chris know, like you're not going anywhere, and maybe even tell her your angle. She has the biggest heart, and she's the most forgiving person, but she can also read the bullshit. So if she's the person that's like, I see you, then you got yourself in a much better position. And Tristan says, I want my baby back. I want my queen back. And Malika says, well, you got to work. This was like right out of a fucking Hallmark movie. <laughs> That's how I felt too. Wasn't it? It was, I really love the angle of two people who are not in the immediate family, but are as close as you can get talking about the family. There was just something about that, that I was like, I felt like they could just understand each other and give each other really sound advice on being an outsider, quote unquote. Also, it was interesting with Malika because I I personally didn't feel this way, but I was wondering if other people would, where if you remember a couple of seasons ago when they went to that event, I think it was in Atlantic City or something like that, and Tristan had left that diamond necklace for Chloe and and Malika was the one that was kind of coordinating the whole thing. And I think we may have criticized her and I think other people did too of saying like, why are you being so supportive of them getting back together when she's clearly so hurt and he fucked up so badly? And so I didn't feel that way here. Like I felt like now there's been a lot more time, but- Let's just not forget, Malika has been in the corner of them getting back together for a long time. Not to discredit what he did. Like, she wasn't being a bad friend to Chloe, but this is something for her. I think this was a long time in the making. Yeah, definitely. I, I still stand by the criticism of the necklace thing um, because I felt like A, it was too soon. And it was here's the difference 
This is Tristan finally coming forward with an honest conversation, with honest feelings, with acknowledging what he did wrong, how he's going to fix it, the way he genuinely feels. The thing with the necklace, the thing with the gifts, it was like, that was the bullshit. You don't get somebody back that you love and hurt that badly by giving them gifts and avoiding the difficult conversation. And the thing we always said we were talking about in the beginning is like, I don't know what I want Tristan to do differently, but I know it's not this. This is what it is. Owning up, being a man. Like I felt like this was the first time where I was like, I can understand that this wasn't just Chloe saying the easy way out is to get back with Tristan. I can understand why I don't have to agree with it and neither does anybody else, but I can understand why Chloe felt like her trust in him was being built back because this was the first time that I was like, Tristan dropped the bullshit. Dropped the bullshit. He recognized gifts clearly were not her love language. He was about to look Chris Jenner in the eyes. And I completely agree. I completely agree. And I, I agree. I stand by my previous criticism of that before because you're right. It was too soon. And the only real point that I was trying to make there was like out of everyone, I would say, if we're talking Kim, Courtney, Chris, etc. Malika was probably the most forgiving of Tristan the earliest, if that makes sense. Yeah. She, she was the easiest to convince. Yeah. Which yeah. was yeah, which is interesting. And, you know, one could argue, do her experiences and her relationships play into that? I don't know. Her stuff with OT came a little bit later on, but I don't know. As much as you want to be objective, it's physically impossible to because you always judge things through the lens of your lived experiences. We just do that as humans. Of course, we try to be objective, but you can't. And so depending on what happened in Malika's love life, it could have totally influenced the way that she felt about Tristan. Yeah. Also, I think Malika is such an incredible friend to Chloe. And even though the necklace thing, I still don't love or really approve of. I thought it was just not done well. And I think that Malika knows that Chloe wanted Tristan back and that this was inevitable for her. I agree. She's just a really ride or die. Like truly, truly she's in it for the long haul and she's a good person. And by the way, so is Khadija. A hundred percent. A hundred million percent. They clearly were were raised right because they have, I think, a really good sense of how to be a good person. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so we're about to bring out the big guns. This is Chris and Tristan. They're at Chris's house. Gorgeous backyard, by the way. Gorgeous. Those two chairs on the top. Sometimes they do that bullshit where they give, they show the back of Chris's old house, which is now Rob's house. And it's like, we know that that's not her house now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, why are you trying to do that to us? Also, like when they showed the front of Chris's old house, which is Rob's house, which isn't even her house. Yeah, I know. It's like, they don't do that with anyone else, which is why it was clearly wasn't a privacy issue. Right. It's like, give us a little more credit, please. So they sit down and they're just, you know, talking and she asks how her, him and Chloe are doing. And he says, we're doing really good. I think just sometimes, I think it's human nature. You know, you second guess yourself. Like, will I ever get back to that place with her? Am I good enough? Is she into who I'm becoming? And I remember you telling me that's my baby girl. That's my bunny. So when I hurt her, I let you down in our relationship. And she says, cause you hurt her. You hurt all of us. And he says, When I hurt her with all the actions I did, it really affected me a lot because of how much I let you down in our relationship because you viewed me as a son. So that's the part that was really sad. And Chris says, the bottom line is we just want her to be happy and we want you to be happy and we want you to be happy as a family and we want True to be happy. Take a shot every time she says happy. (laughs) And Tristan goes, our friendship has grown so much. We've never been intimate or anything like that, but I think it's helped our friendship grow. We're basically, it's not even like starting from scratch. It's like below scratch, just because you're coming in at a disadvantage because of my bad mistakes. But it's like, I'm in the basement, she's in the top floor, and I'm building my way up to try and get her back. And Chris says, well, at least you're patient. He says, you have to be patient, but you also have to understand that when you get frustrated, because you look in the mirror and you have to understand, why are you here in the first place? It's because of you. 
very self-aware and introspective. Yes. Yes. Again, not trying to give credit for the bare minimum. However, we have to acknowledge his growth. It's all relative, you know, like you can't judge his growth based on someone else's. Maybe Kim would have arrived at this conclusion quicker, or maybe someone else would have, but he's not there yet. So let him do it in his pace. I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, I think that this is a scenario in which a lot of people wouldn't have been given a second chance. Um, So it's very easy to be like, I wouldn't have fallen for that bullshit again, or I wouldn't have even put myself in this scenario because he did fuck up so badly two times, like on two separate occasions. And I'm not discounting either of those. If Chloe said, I'm done, I want nothing to do with him. I will drop my kid off at her at his house and pick her up. And that is all I will do. I would have understood that a million percent, but that just isn't how this family operates. And I don't think that's how Chloe wanted things to be. So for Chloe to be put in a position or Chloe to put herself in a position where she was already spending time with him for the sake of her daughter, and that was important to her, for her to be able to see that growth and feel it and trust it, it makes more sense that they would get back together. It's not like she cut him off and then was like, okay, I can trust you again. I feel like we can get back together. It's like she right now in quarantine, especially is every single day seeing growth in him and seeing change in him. So while we may not agree with the decision and we may think that like so many things about it and we may think it's toxic and whatever to not understand why she got back with him and to not understand his growth and see it, I think is discounting a lot of things about, about Chloe. Yeah. The one thing that I will say, which is, I guess the flip side to that argument in terms of him is that while the benefit of quarantine is that she's getting kind of like a microscopic look as to the changes he's making, it also really removes a lot of the temptation. And I know, listen, if he wanted to sleep with someone, he could make it happen. Clearly he's not, you know what I mean? I don't think he's gonna, uh, if he really wanted to, he could. However, I do think that like if we're trying to be super objective here, we do have to have the voice of the critics, which is like, okay, yeah, but he's not in season. He's not constantly traveling. You know, it would be a lot harder for him to cheat. A million percent. Quarantine, no matter what, is a bubble. Even Even if the question about Tristan isn't cheating, it's just him being present and him being involved, all of those things that were other criticisms about Tristan, um, the quarantine bubble takes those other variables out of the equation because you physically have to be present. You physically have to be there because there's nowhere else for you to go. So yes, it is an extremely, extremely fair point. But I do think that people stepping up during difficult times like this also does show their character to an extent. Yeah, I completely agree. And Chris says in her confessional, Tristan and I have always had a really close relationship. So when the whole thing happened in the last couple of years, the relationship has been a little bit of a challenge for sure. And all the mending and healing that's gone on has made me feel good about him as a person. And she says to him, I mean, we've given you such a hard time. We beat you up so much. And he says, I deserved it. And she says, you've really proven over time that you love Chloe and that you're sorry. Listen, if you haven't killed each other yet, then that's a good sign that you guys are pretty compatible. And and he says, I just want her to be happy, her and true. That's my family right there. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Also, him going to Chris is like, that's big. It was necessary. And I would have been like disappointed in him if he hadn't, but that's a lot of growth. Yes. It's it's completely necessary. I mean, you're facing your probably most disappointed critic. Yeah. And the person that made you feel the most disappointed in yourself aside from Chloe. That's kind of what I, that's kind of what I meant to say. Not that she was the most disappointed, but that she was the hardest to face maybe. Yeah. 
not because of what she would have done, but the uh, reaction that it would have elicited internally. Yeah. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Okay, we are in the home stretch of the Chloe and Tristan situation now. And she basically says, it was great that he talked to my mom. It was great that he talked to Malika, but we need to have this one-on-one, which I couldn't agree more. So she says to him, I think in quarantine, it's been really amazing for us because I feel like we spend so much time together. And especially when I was isolated in my room and how helpful and what a great dad and how attentive you were, even in just making sure I had food and everything. You know, we've done this rodeo before where your actions don't go with your words. And for almost a year now, you've been a different person. It frustrates me because I'm like, why now? Why are you the man I dreamed of currently? Why couldn't you be that when we were together? Like one of my fears is like, you're acting like this until you get what you want. And then if you do, you're going to turn into old Tristan again. And he says, no, I spent almost a year. Like, I don't think anybody should waste their time if they're not going to be serious, especially with what I put you through. I've grown to the point where I know what I want in my life and I know I want you in my life. So obviously we'll always be in each other's lives in terms of us having true, but I mean, I want more than that. And she says, but you can understand the reservations that I have. Do I love you a million percent? Am I in love with you currently? No, but would it be great if I could have this fairy tale ending? Yes. But just because you have a fit family with someone, it also doesn't mean you have to stay with someone if it's not the best fit. I don't know what the future holds. All I do know is that I'm actively trying to take down little bricks and I try to be more trusting. I really try. It's a slow process, but that's just how it has to be for me. But I do appreciate the effort you make and the new you. It's night and day who you are. I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do. The part that I'm really glad she brought up because I think this was my biggest reservation and I still like I still don't know if it's 100% not the case. But when she said to him, I'm scared you're just going to get what you want and then go back to the old Tristan. I think that that is what a lot of people think about Tristan. And that's what he very much comes across as, as somebody who just wants what he can't have. Exactly. It was kind of like in the first scene when when Scott's asking the question if they slept together and everybody's like, yes, that's what we were wondering. It was kind of the same thing. It was like, yes, Chloe, say what we're all thinking, you know, not to be a pessimist. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's not the case, but I think that's a thought on everyone's mind. Like, well, it does seem to be a trend that he works extra hard when they aren't together. So you don't want him to get too comfortable. Like it's a very normal thought, thought process. And for her to say it out loud kind of normalizes it and brings it into the orbit of the conversation. So I was so glad she said that. Yeah, it's it was an important question to pose to him because I think a lot of the time it does feel like that and it does feel like okay how can I just trust that this isn't what he's saying what that he wants and then as soon as he gets it it's like okay now I want something else now it's on to the next thing like I think that it is very hard to know that is probably the biggest unknown and that is the one thing that you really can't know unless you're actually in it it is literally Schrodinger's cat like you will not know unless you open that box whether or not that is the case completely. And I think that she's probably internally weighing whether or not it's worth it to even open it. And as we know, it ended up being it, but that's kind of what's going on in her head. Right. And the last thing that I will say on this, I'm sorry, I know that we're kind of long-winded today, but it's the finale and I feel like we have to be, and there's just so many things going through my head. Um, We can cut out extraneous things after. Um, I also feel like a lot of times women in heterosexual relationships can feel a little bit pressure to move more quickly in processing their emotions because of the sexual pressure from men. And I was really glad that that's not what was happening here. 
It seemed like she genuinely was taking her time to process it and like, sorry if you can't get your dick wet. Sorry to be graphic, but like I need to take my time and I have to do this what what's right for me, which I know should be natural, but it's not. It's so, so often when women will just make themselves be a little bit more comfortable because they feel, quote, guilty for making the guy wait, which like, as we know, is a completely fuck up concept. However, I was happy that that wasn't happening here. Yes. And like, of course, you could argue because such a theme throughout this going on is the guilt that Chloe feels and that pressure that she feels. A lot of it is pressure that she's putting on herself just because she knows what Tristan wants. Um, So there is that element there, but it is definitely not the sexual element where she feels that pressure from that angle. It's just kind of the entire package. And listen, I think the thing with Tristan is that, and I know I said it earlier in the episode, but the ability to trust Tristan or move on from Tristan or accept Chloe's decision to get back with him. I think being able to understand that is more about understanding Chloe than it is about understanding him and giving Chloe the benefit of the doubt than it is about giving it to him. So if you still feel weird about the fact that you're like, okay, I kind of like them together. I understand what Chloe's doing, but I don't know how to move past this. I think that trusting Chloe's decision in that is just the only way to do that because you cannot say what you would do until you're put into that exact situation. Right. Basically, this podcast is kind of just a therapy session to walk anybody through <laughs> the feelings of wanting to be accepting, but also having having doubts and second guessing it because of how protective you are of Chloe. So just know you're not alone. And hopefully these are helpful steps that have worked for us, right? And you don't have to get back with your ex who cheated on you just because we're nice to Tristan. Like, do your own thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's make that very clear. Okay. So final Chloe and Tristan thing, they're basically at the Palm Springs house and- I think she just is feeling good. They're kind of dancing. And I want to just read this because there's one line that's worth mentioning and then we're going to get into Scott. She says, I think it's really good that Tristan and I talked about everything. It just makes me feel less guilty because one thing I don't want to do to anybody, I don't want to put anybody's life on pause. Which is exactly what I was saying before. Tristan and I are in a good place. We're going to be a family forever. If we're together or not, he'll still always be a part of my family. Just like Scott, just like how my dad was to my mom. That's just how we are. If you don't get it, you don't have to. There is nothing that I need to add to that because what she said is exactly the most eloquent of a point she could have made. A thousand percent. Okay. Ad break before we dive into Scott. Yes, ma'am. Are you sweating as much as I am? Wedding. No, no, no. Sweating. This closet is fucking hot, but it's almost like making me more excited about this. I know that's weird. Okay. By the way, like my room and your closet is the same size. <laughs> <laughs> True. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. (laughs) 
Okay, totally shifting gears here. We're now getting into an entire Scott conversation. There was a lot here. This was very deep as well. And I think a lot of points that are going to be excited to talk about. I love when we do this right after we watch the episode. Like I like that we finished the episode. We had 10 minutes to kind of regroup, decide the order and then got into it because it's like I'm bursting at the seams. I I know exactly how you feel and I cannot wait to get into this. I like telling you guys our process a little. We think it through of like, okay, if we had just finished the episode, it's 9 p.m. At 9.05 p.m., if we could listen to a podcast, what would we want to talk about? And that's kind of how we frame it. Like we try to put ourselves in the in the position of the listener. And so like this Scott thing, I would be, if I had a podcast to break down it after it, I would be so thrilled. So that's why I'm really happy to be doing this, you know? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So Kim's seeing Scott for the first time. They're going on a walk. And in his confessional, he's kind of just saying, you know, he's getting crazy. He's getting antsy. He didn't think he was going to be like this. And he says, it's been an amazing break sitting around, but the more and more I watch the news and I hear about these tragedies, all I can think are things are going to get worse. And I'm honestly starting to struggle with my own issues. And at the time, we've got to stay cool and collected and be with our kids and raise our family and deal with homeschool, and it's a lot, which I think is very kind of um, representative of how a lot of people are feeling. Again, I I always say this, but it's just – I feel like we have to make this point every time. Of course, I understand they have a lot more amenities than your average person, but still, for for him, he's feeling that way. I mean, mental health-wise, I think it's taxing on everyone. Yeah. I mean, listen, no matter who you are, if you're having – thought processes that are not conducive to a healthy lifestyle or to being able to be with your kids and your family and it's affecting you to have to sit alone with those thoughts no matter who you are is going to affect you in some way or another it's just inevitable yes there are more resources yes there's more you can do about it a hundred percent but sitting alone with those thoughts it, it doesn't care whose head it is it doesn't care if it's in a distant kardashian brain or in an average person's brain it's still going to be a difficult thing to do and it's something that so, so many people struggled with and are obviously still struggling with because we're still in this situation. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the richest, most famous people are the most depressed, you know? Usually, actually. Yeah, no, completely. Um, And the other point that I just want to make, because I don't think we said it earlier, and if you're thinking this, I just want to acknowledge that we, of course, recognize it too. Like, I completely understand that it feels a little bit hypocritical that they're coming off of Chloe just being so sick with it. They're also terrified of, you know, the illness or seeing the toll that they're taking on it. And then we fast forward to now and Kendall's having a massless birthday party. Don't think that the irony of that is not lost on us or the hypocrisy. Completely acknowledge that. See that, as you know, we spoke at length about um, Kendall's birthday and how tone deaf it came across. So like, I just want to acknowledge we're not crazy and obviously recognize that that was happening here. But it's like, let's talk about Scott because that's the meat of the episode. Absolutely. Okay, so Scott's at the Malibu house, and we basically took what he said at the beginning of being there and then mid being there. I'm going to read them both because you can really see like the kind of trajectory of his thought process. So in the beginning, he's there. He's like, you know, being in this house is unbelievable. I like, I love the house that I got. At home, there's no privacy with the paparazzi. Being in close quarters with Sophia, we're definitely getting on each other's nerves. He says, so being able to hear the water every night, waking up and seeing the ocean, it's like a great getaway. It's really private. I'd like to live here, to be honest. Okay, then fast forward a little bit more once he's been there and he says, you know, I'm thinking this Malibu house is the perfect getaway. We have all the privacy in the world. Turns out that's absolutely not true. Not true. Every day I wake up, paparazzi, they all stand on the beach. There's no privacy. They're in the front and the back of my house. I'm thinking it'll go away. They'll take their pictures and they'll be done. That was not the case. It was super frustrating and I kind of felt like I was going to blow up. I just want to tell you, Julie, like, I know I say it a lot, worst nightmare. Worst nightmare. Can't even imagine, especially when the sole purpose of you going there was to escape all of that. Oh my God. Every time we do anything that involves paparazzi here, it's like it reinforces why fame feels like the scariest thing ever. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's terrifying to me. Also, I don't know what I want to say about it. I don't even know if I have anything to say about it because we knew they were still together at that point. But something about him saying being in close quarters with Sophia, we're definitely getting on each other's nerves. I just want to highlight. I don't know the commentary I have. I don't know if you have any, but it felt important to highlight. Completely agree. I don't really know what to say about it, but it's definitely, well, I guess, actually, I do know what to say about it. I think it's that we have not really ever heard him voice any sort of upset in their relationship. It's always been portrayed as perfect in a way. Well, and also this season, she hasn't been mentioned once. Yeah, which I think was a purposeful thing. And again, like you were saying earlier, this episode was a little bit more raw because they literally had to talk about the content that was happening in their lives because there was nothing else to do. Exactly. Okay. So – Courtney and Scott are on FaceTime now, and he's saying, I was just thinking, I don't know, this whole COVID and staying in the house and no structure doesn't work for me. It's making me feel like I can't handle staying home, not working. It's like recently, all I've been doing is try to find things to do. Renting a house in Malibu, trying to escape, turn into a total shit show with the paparazzi. It's no sanctuary at all. And he says in his confessional that he's just tired. You know, he's like, I just wanted this time, but I can't have any privacy. I can't be by myself. It's ruined. And he says, the truth was, I started feeling more and more anxious, more and more depressed, like I was going to do something bad if I didn't figure it out or take myself out of this position. And I think now's the time to work on it. And he says to Courtney, I go to therapy every week. I never really have any breakthroughs. I don't feel happy. You know what I mean? I just didn't grieve my parents correctly or give it enough time. I just want to be the best person I can be for my family. And a couple of people told me about this place that specifically deals with past traumas. I just want to learn how to deal with everything the right way. If you're fine having the kids and stuff and you're good with everything, I'll go for at least a month. Oh my God. Should I get into Courtney's response first? Um, no, say what you want to say. Don't wait. Don't hold it in. <laughs> well, no, I just want to say that um, I can't help, and I don't mean to, but like I said earlier, it's really hard to view these things without a personal lens. I can't help but view these things as like warning signs for myself and for like other people that have been through this of like, this is an exact manifestation of what can happen if you don't deal with it and how like doing the work is so hard, but it's so much harder when you didn't do it and then it catches up with you later on. So it's like, personally, it's just like a personal anecdote. Every time something like this happens with Scott, it makes me do a check-in with myself of like, am I grieving my mom's loss properly? You know what I mean? And I don't think you can ever fully know, but it's just like a good reminder of like, and it does, it doesn't, it's not even about loss, just in general. It's like such a good reminder of like, we need to deal with these things if we can while they're happening to us, because it makes it so much harder once that sits for so much longer. Yeah, of course. And the thing with Scott is that I think when Scott was kind of at his worst, you know, his parents' death a little bit leading up to it when he was kind of wild and crazy and you know, Miami with Mason and that whole episode when he kind of went away the first time after his parents' death. The thing that Scott always did was that he always just was busy, busy, busy. He was always with people. He was always having like some sort of simulation so that he didn't have to deal with what was going on. And I think that even after that fact, when he really got right and really fixed himself and really grew into the person that he wanted to be and the dad that he wanted to be, I think even then he was still going, going, going. It was just a different way. And it was just a different schedule and a different thing he was doing in different, maybe probably better people that he was surrounding himself, but there was still a distraction. And I think this is the first time in a lot of years that Scott has just been alone with nothing. And I think that he probably thought that he was in such a better place. And then it hit him when he just, he had nothing else going on and he's sitting there alone with all of this. And it's like, okay, all the stuff that I realized I didn't do, maybe I wouldn't have realized that if I didn't have this moment to just stop and breathe. 
Exactly. It's a very clear acknowledgement. And this happens a lot with people where they think that because they're able to do things, they're in such a good place. Like, look, I was able to flip that house. Look, I was able to do X, Y, and Z in these business things. I must be in a good place. And they don't realize that it's actually serving as a distraction. So yes, not to take away from the accomplishment of doing that thing. However, a much harder task would have been not doing it because then you would have been forced to be with your thoughts. And that's exactly what's happening for him here. He's having like a very harsh awakening to the fact that a lot of what he was doing was serving as a distraction. And at the time he didn't view it that way. And I think there are a lot, a lot of tangible examples of Scott's growth and the person that he's turned into and how different he is. None more than the fact that without being prompted, without being told, without being asked to, he said, I'm going to get help before this turns into anything. Beautifully said, exactly. Which Courtney says now in her confessional, she says, I'm a little caught off court. I'm a little caught off guard, you know, because for the first time, Scott isn't being asked to go away. He's not having an issue with alcohol or drugs. And it's like his idea. So I think it feels really different. And I want him to be the best that he can. Listen to this line, you know, for my kids and for himself and for me. And so I'm more than happy to support him in any way that I can. This time, I think that's really bringing up an important work that we all have to do. Okay. I have one thing to say before we move on. Obviously. Okay. The way that we were taught, and before I, before I even say this point, I know they're not still together. Like I know they have not fully officially gotten back together. I know that they may never, but the same way that we were talking about Chloe and Tristan and how I think that quarantine had to happen for their relationship if they were going to get back together because it allowed Chloe to see Tristan step up in a different way and step up for her when she was sick and deal with that. And that was kind of one of the things we said where we were like, okay, I think this really allowed Chloe to see the person that Tristan is. I think that if Courtney had any reservations about getting back with Scott, I think the fact that he took this into his own hands and stepped up and did what he needed to do took those reservations away from Courtney. Not that they're back together, but I think that if they were to get back together now, I think that's something that Courtney would cite as a reason that she knew for sure she was going to be able to do this. Yes, 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 yes. So true. So he says, I'm sad that like I'll have to tell the kids I'm leaving and stuff, which makes me anxious. And in his confessional, he says, I'm definitely anxious and nervous to go to a place and break my head open and work on things, but I've been in a treatment facility before. I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be a lot of pain before there's pleasure, but it's something I have to do. And she says, you really want to go, not because you just came off a binge from drinking. I feel like it's the first time where you just want to work on yourself. And he says, yeah, I want to get to the root of every problem that still frustrates me and I want to get past it. And she says, I'm really proud of you. Yeah. I feel like Scott waits his entire life for Courtney to say I'm proud of him. And so every time she does, it's just, it's like we all let out a collective sigh. That is such a good point. Yes. You know? A hundred percent. I feel like that's exactly it. Like all, all he never wanted to do was make her proud, even if they're not together. He, she, he just wants her to be proud of the person he's become. And this was her giving that to him as much as he was giving to her what she needed. Oh my God, I want them to get back together so badly. I'm literally going to explode. No, I can't. Like, just wait till we get to that last scene. I texted you and I was like 40, 56 or whatever the timestamp was. I I literally texted Julie. I was like, you're going to pass out. You're going to pass out. Oh my God. Okay, let's keep going. So this is when the mood of the episode really shifts. And this is also what I was trying to say at the beginning when I was saying, you know, there were two different things happening here. And what I'm about to mention goes into something we saw in the news. We saw it happen everywhere. And now we're really getting a behind the scenes look. So- You guys know this is when Scott went to the facility and it got leaked. And so 
Kim calls Courtney to ask if it's true. And in her confessional, she said, I heard about Scott going to rehab by seeing it online. And it looks like someone leaked a photo of him. And Courtney says, he said he's never been more betrayed in his life and he's packing up and he's definitely coming home, but he's really upset about it. Especially that he was actually going to work on himself and his traumas. And obviously they agree that he should be filing a lawsuit, which to me, let's just wait till the next scene to really talk about it. But I was so mad. Like I got re-infuriated all over again. Livid, yes. Livid. It's like you don't have to like Scott Disick. You could fucking hate the Kardashians. If you have any ounce of humanity inside of you, you can understand how much of a violation of trust this was and how absolutely damaging, disgusting, and um, inexcusable this entire situation was. It really was. It was, oh my God. I. It's like hit me all over again because the first time I was so upset. But then even now, just in the context of him trying to get away and be away from the paparazzi and just have like one moment to himself to be able to process everything, then he goes away to try and really get right. And for that to just be the issue all over again in a place where he thought for sure he was safe is just, it's fucking infuriating. Infuriating, exactly. So they're on this family Zoom and it's Chloe, Scott, Chris, Rob, and Kim. And Chris is just saying how terrible it is. And Scott says, I was there four or five days in quarantine. I was about to start my therapy for past trauma for my family and even the split. By the way, holy shit. That was true. And raising kids and co-parenting and all the things that I deal with. In that moment, Courtney texted me, called me, and sent me all the articles of the leak. I had no idea. It was obviously clear that someone had leaked me being there to the press and there couldn't have been a bigger betrayal. Kim goes, you went for trauma and they're literally giving you trauma. And Scott says, I left. I was like, I don't trust anybody here. I don't feel safe. And that was it. I got the fuck out of there. It was obviously very hurtful that there's 900 articles that are saying I was there for cocaine and alcohol. My whole name is getting slandered across every news outlet. I'm not usually one that cares about it, but it's not cool. I have three children. I don't need my son to say that. And Kim's kind of asking what the plan is. If you know you want to go somewhere else, clearly he was there for a reason. And he says, I mean, at this point, I'm so turned off by going to these places because it's always the same fucking shtick. And in his confessional, he says, I thought getting away and going to a facility would be the best thing. You know, I could get out of my own way, kind of shut down, regroup, go over everything in a safe place, a safe environment. And now that that was betrayed to me, the last thing I want to do is repack my bags and go to another place to have this happen to me possibly again. So even though it's terrible that you can't have contact and go into your therapist right now, I'm just going to have to deal with it like that and have support of some good people around me. This is, it is like, oh my God, this is it's so, it's so, it's so, so, so upsetting. Like talk about what we were saying earlier with being a celebrity and already having that lack of trust. This is on a massive scale. I mean, think about any normal person, what you talk about with your therapist. And then to the other element, which I think what he said of like, I'm not normally one to care about things being said about me. It's like, yeah, because Scott's realistic. If it's true things that are being said about him, he doesn't care. I don't think he cares when he gets called a womanizer or he's seeing all these different women because at the time he was doing that. Or when they're talking about his issue, yeah, he was having an issue with alcohol and drugs, right? Like at least he can be honest with it, but that wasn't what was happening here. This was coming from a place of just wanting to deal with things that he recognized were affecting him and he couldn't even have the freedom to do it. I I swear to you guys, and I, yes, I'm on my period. I started crying. I texted Julia. I was like, I'm crying watching this because I'm having such like secondhand upset. I can't imagine what that is. Like, what I said to her is, you don't know what it takes to get to the point where you want to confront this shit head on. It's so hard. It is so hard. And when you finally find it in yourself to do it, then to have that taken from you, it made me want to like, oh, like I <laughs> maybe want to like <laughs> throw hands at the person who did this. No, I know exactly how you feel. And also, I mean, everything you just said and a million times more, but also 
Mason's now at an age where you can't hide things from him anymore. He's on his phone. He's on TikTok. He's on Twitter, probably. He sees Facebook posts. Like, this is all stuff that he's going to absorb. And if he's not the one absorbing it, one of his friends are. And it must be really frustrating to have to worry and think about every single thing your kid is possibly going to see, especially when it's not true. And especially when they're at an age where you can't really say to Mason at 10 years old and explain to him the fact that this isn't true, but people think it was true because it was at one time. That's a really young age to be able to understand really complex things like that. So for Scott, who is doing the right thing and being just the best version of himself, And being able to be proud of that, he then has to worry that his son is going to think something otherwise. And that is also such a terrible fucking part because it's one thing to have your trust betrayed in the worst possible way, but then to do that and to lie blatantly about it is just, it adds a whole other layer. It's a whole other layer. There's like, there's like 10 different elements here, right? There's like the betrayal. There's a thing with his kids and there's a thing because of his kids, the fame, like it would suck regardless if he was or wasn't famous. But then on top of that, the world perception, like there's just so many things. And I just, oh, like if you were, if you were watching this and you were so mad, especially if you're somebody who works in this type of setting and you understand the confidentiality measures that go into place, like, I just want you to know, I fucking feel you. We both did. We were so mad about this. It angered us all over again. And like, it's just so not okay. It is so far from okay. Yeah. There, because listen, when you're a celebrity, specifically a Kardashian, I get it. There are certain things you sign up for. There are certain things that are going to be on blast for the public to see. This is not one of them. It's just not fair game. It's not yeah. even a little bit. So while they're on the Zoom, after they kind of talk about that, they're saying it's his birthday. What should they do? And obviously they can't really go anywhere. So they are talking about Nobu. And it's just so funny how like, of course, that's their first go-to, you know? Oh my God, because what else would you get Scott other than Nobu? It seems unfathomable to have a Scott birthday where Nobu isn't involved. How um, one with Rob did you feel when he was like, you know that I need that creamy rock strip? And I was like, I so feel you because that rock strip is orgasmic. I think I came the first time I had it. I think so too. We have to go back. I know, I know, I can't. So after all being, you know, quarantined separately, they get together at Scott's house and it's just really sweet. Travis and Stormy are there and the kids are all there playing together. And oh my God, this is like the best reward to the end of this episode. Holy shit. Okay. I know. So Kim says, is it like the elephant in the room? The photo you guys posted in our group chat? Scott's like, we're going for baby number four. Is that a joke or is that serious? I want to know. By the way, I'm passing out. Like this is happening and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And Chloe goes, are you really having a baby? No. And Courtney starts joking and like pushing her stomach out, but honestly kind of convincingly for a second. And Kim goes, I'll never forget. Sting told me parents of four are the most enlightened people. It's 10 times better than one. Two is madness. Three is insanity. And four just brings it all together in a calm. And Chris goes, well, let's just get it on. Okay. Wait a damn minute, Julie. <laughs> Can like, I what I honestly thought? Yeah. <laughs> there was a piece of me. Uh, the smallest little teeniest piece of me that was like, imagine if she was actually pregnant and that was their way of telling us. Like they had kept the baby, the secret the whole time. And this was their way of telling us the smallest, tiniest, most minuscule piece of me, but I can't lie and pretend it wasn't there. I am so comforted and grateful that you just said that because a trend with us is that I typically tend to be the more like optimistic, gullible one. So 
I didn't think so either, but there was a piece of me and I didn't think there would be a piece of you. I get it. It was like 1%, but it was there. So thank you for acknowledging that because I feel very seen right now. I was like, oh my God, was that Dumois post true? Like, are they going to announce it in, in the finale? Like I am sitting there like with bated breath. You know what I mean? Like I didn't think it, but oh God, I was praying so hard enough that I almost started to. Oh my God. I cannot handle like, I feel like what happened with me is that I, for my own sanity, moved on from this idea. I was like, okay, he's with, he's with Sophia. She's doing her own thing. Like I can move on from this idea of them being together. And now that that idea is back in play, I feel like I'm just making up for lost time. I feel like I'm recovering all my basis that you already hit when you thought they were still getting back together when he was with Sophia. I feel like I just, I can't handle it. I don't know what to do about it because I need them to be back together. And it's like, I know them. It's like, it's, I'm in this relationship. I know. And by the way, it's not like the rest of the family is making it easy on us because everybody's playing into it. Everybody knows that the entire world is rooting for this. So they're kind of just like feeding into it. But clearly if it was so far gone, if there was no ounce of it, nobody would even mention it. Like I definitely think that some sort of a romantic rekindling is either already happening or there's possibility for it to happen because the way they're talking about it is just different. There have been times when they've never even joked about it because it was so far gone. I think we can at least agree it's not so far gone right now. Regardless of what camp you're in in terms of whether or not it's happening, I think you can agree it's not so far gone. And the second thing is, Julie and I like really tried not to talk about this, but right before we started recording, I just like blurted out this one thought. I really do think that if they were ever to have another kid, there's no way they're having it with anyone else. I think if they went into any other relationship, it would have to be the very clear element of like, and this is just my gut. I don't know if this is true. Like, I just want you to know if having children with me is important to you, that's not going to happen. Like, I don't believe that if they have another child, um, it will be with anyone but each other. That's just my gut feeling on it. That's what I think too. And I think we've had that conversation before. That is exactly what I think. I don't think they would do it with anybody else. And I had one other point to make and now I can't remember it. I'm so upset. I'm sure I'll come back to you. Maybe, but you know how I am. Yeah. We end the scene. Chloe's on that mechanical bull and Scott goes, ride that thing like it's Tristan. And you see Tristan waving his arm. And I'm like, what an end to this finale. Like, this is everything I could have ever wanted, probably ever. Like, definitely ever. I know what my thought was going to be. <laughs> I know why I didn't remember it to say it, because I think that a piece of my brain was like, that's fucked up. Don't say it. But I do want to know if I can get in touch with both Scott and Courtney's therapist and be like, listen. I don't want to like get too involved in their thing. It's not my business. But if you could just urge them in the right direction, I would really appreciate it. Oh my God. I know. It's like, this is the one time. It's like, so it's so funny because throughout this episode, you're like absolutely so infuriated that this person violated HIPAA in terms yeah. of God's God sake. And then also you so badly want to violate HIPAA to understand what they're saying in their therapist. So I, right, yeah. like, I'm not under HIPAA. You don't have to tell me what they're saying in therapy. But like, if you could just slide them a note in the middle of the session that would be really appreciated yeah it'd be a pleasure doing business with you no i it's i mean julie when i tell you that never in my life have i wanted them together more than i want it now it is consuming every single piece of me and you guys i say this so much collective manifestation if you are on the team if you're not i'm not going to try to convince you that's long gone but if you are collective manifestation. I feel like this is one we're all collective because every single time I see a TikTok about the two of them getting back together, it has like hundreds of thousands of likes. And every single, if you look at the comments on their pictures, all of them are like that too. Everyone, I think everyone collectively wants them back together. It's really nice when there's a sense of internet camaraderie about like with everybody agreeing. You know what I mean? 
I love internet camaraderie. It's my favorite thing in the world. I know, but it happens a lot where like everybody's talking about the same thing, but not everybody's in agreement. For example, the election, but like with Scott and Courtney, you're right. It is very, it's not completely one-sided, but I think more people want them than don't want them. Just even for the sake of a fairy tale ending. Imagine what it'll be like when they like post a picture one day of them kissing. The internet will go, I think it would break. I think that we would, when I talk, when I say emergency episode, like, I, I don't, Julie, I like, I'm, I just got anxious thinking about it. Like, I just started to get butterflies. Do you realize how quickly we would have to get on this fucking recording? Uh, we would be, we would be quick. It would, it would be, no time would pass. We wouldn't even plan the episode. We would just get on and say our raw feelings. Yeah, that's, that's what we would have to do, honestly. You're so right. Oh my God. Wow. wow. I, honestly, our luck, this will happen while we're both getting a manicure. This is why we don't get manicures at the same time and why I know where you go to get yours. So I'll just call them <laughs> and, you leave, and you'll just go back tomorrow. Exactly. Um, anything you want to add? No, I think I definitely got it all out. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, so I guess this is it for you know this season. We, of course, have one more season. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if next week, the bonus show, we're going to go back to doing previous seasons. I don't know if we're going to do a deep dive. I don't know if we're going to take a break from using the bonus show as a Kardashian bonus show and maybe do some interviews. I really don't know. We're trying to work through things. Um, you know, When you agree to having three episodes a week, like we have to have three episodes a week. That's kind of what we scheduled, which obviously we're so grateful to do, but we should figure out how we want to do it because especially now that Bravo is moving to Fridays while Southern Charm is on. Like we could move the Kardashian bonus shows to Wednesday, spread out the episodes a little more and do it either on that or on something different. Send your suggestions, send us an email or just a DM on other things you'd want us to talk about. Um, We're working on different directions and I don't know. I'm just really happy to have this platform. It's pretty incredible. Me too, kid. Me fucking too. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening as always. And again, like listening is the greatest gift you could give us. However, if you feel a little bit um, generous and you want to leave a nice review, it really, really does help us. And we genuinely appreciate it, but no pressure. I also think that we've maybe said to subscribe like five times. I just always forget, but I think you're supposed to say that when you have a podcast. So <laughs> if, you, if you want to subscribe, I, I, I only say that because a lot of times people message us when we post a swipe up and they're like, it's not there for me yet. But I think if you subscribe, it, it downloads immediately. So I guess that's more of an incentive. Um, but we're just really grateful. And, and um, thank you guys. We love you so much. Isabel and I will see you on Friday. Welcome to Nada Yada Island. This season on Nada Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then, it's like I didn't exist. Don't take Yada Yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join, same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices.